This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 124, Yoga as a Tool for Growth. Do you struggle to put yourself at the top of your list to commit to your personal growth? Or maybe you feel like you're well on that journey, but you could use more tools? Either way, today's episode is for you. For this episode, I sat down with Amber Hagberg. Amber is an international yoga teacher, life and business coach, empowering women to stand out and thrive in their lives. She has led over 20 yoga teacher training and a dozen of retreats around the world, as well as she's coached hundreds of women. As a teacher, she is committed to leading other women into redefining success and creating lives that are by their own unique design. As you listen to today's episode, take a screenshot of the episode, share one of your takeaways on Instagram, come and tag at on and off your mat podcast. I will reshare you and that way we can come together and support each other on this journey. We can learn and grow as a community. All right, let's get to today's episode with Amber. Hi, Amber. Hey, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Super excited. <laughs> so for <laughs> listeners that don't know you, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, thanks so much for having me. I, I am a yoga teacher, life coach, world traveler. My name is Amber Hagberg, by the way. <laughs> Amber Hagberg, I live in Costa Rica. I've been here for the last six and a half years, originally from Iowa in the United States and the yoga journey has really led me uh, around the world. And based in Costa Rica, I thought at one point I was going to move to Bali and love kept me here. So I've been mm. leading yoga teacher trainings, retreats for the last six and a half years in Bali, Australia, Morocco, India, and through the midst of COVID, um, it's really got me more grounded <laughs> as most of us. So I started doing life coaching and weaving yoga philosophy, the yamas and the niyamas in a way to guide people on how to live their lives. And now that the world is opening back up, I get to be able to weave in all these different passions together and be able to help and serve more of my clients and women around the world. Mm -hmm. And we can hear the birds in the background. Welcome to Costa Rica. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> So why do you think as you help women and as you help your coaching client that it's important for them, whether they're yoga teachers or not, but to practice self-study, to continue to stay connected, committed to their personal growth? Obviously, when we see coaching, it's usually about, you know, changing something in our lives. So why is it so important to either study ourselves invest in ourselves or just stay committed in that personal growth, whether we're a yogi or we are a yoga teacher, you might have two different answers there. Yeah, of course. And I think like, depending on if you're a yoga student or yoga teacher, it's equally as important to stay committed to developing who you're becoming, especially if you're a teacher to stay inspired. And one thing that happens is like, we think we need to get coaching or continue to study or invest in ourselves out of this, like only if we want to fix ourselves, only if something's wrong, only when we need help. But it's like, if we continue to invest in ourselves after yoga teacher training or while like life is going really well, 
when life happens, because it will <laughs> look what happened during COVID where, you know, mm-hmm. I was saying like, no one was ready. No one was ready for what COVID brought to us. But those of us that were committed, committed to our personal growth through the yoga, through the coaching, through just like investing in who we're becoming, we had more tools to deal with life circumstances. And so oftentimes it's like, we're trying to dig ourselves out. And what happens when we stay committed to who we're becoming, we already have this toolbox. Life happens and it's like, okay, I know what to do. I want someone to hold space for me while I do it. Not because I need to. It's like, because I get to, because I get to ask for help and I get to ask for support. And oftentimes, like I start working with women that like are mothers and I'm not sure how this happened to me. And they're like, Amber, I've never done anything for myself. I've always put my kids Mm. first. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I lost track of myself. And it's like, oh, but like the more that you invest in yourself, the better mom you are, the more present you are. And it's the same way when you're a yoga teacher, it's like the more that you study yourself, you study what others are teaching you, the more inspired you are to show up and like guide your students along the way, because you are living, breathing example of what it's like to constantly seek to become a better human. Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea that you don't have to wait to be in a ditch of life to like crawl yourself out and constantly being on that self journey and that self study journey or that self improvement journey or whatever you want to call it. It allows the ditch not to get so deep, you know, like you might kind of fall back a little bit, but it's a lot easier to climb out. It doesn't feel such like such of a challenge. And I think that's really a good thing that people I wish they can hear in your answer is that it just supports you for whatever life brings on because there's so much that you can control. There's so much that will happen no matter what you do. But if you feel more equipped, then in the moment, it feels a lot less scary and a lot less overwhelming and like something you can't figure out because you have the tools, you've been practicing them and you've implemented them in your life. Yep, exactly. And that's like what I, the analogy I use too, is like, you're not crawling out of somewhere. You're not (laughs) digging yourself out of like a Mm -hmm. hole that you've dropped to the bottom of. It's like, you're just under a little bit of a layer. And so it's like, there's less work quote unquote to do. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's going to be fun, but it's like, it just (laughs) makes life a little bit more gracious when things come up. Yeah, for sure. And that idea that you are more inspired, whether you're a teacher or not, you're more inspired in your life. That's something nice that we want to feel inspired about what's going on and not like just pushed to do, but kind of pulled in like, "Mm, I want to go in that direction. And just cultivating all those tools so we can deal with everything that happens. And then that allows us to support the people around us, like you were saying, to be like a better version of ourselves in any aspect, any role we have, whether we're a mother, a friend, a partner, a teacher, then we come with our cup more full. So we're able to give more. And that's always something that I think helps people that are so used to putting other people first to like accept that, okay, I can take time for myself. What do you think? Exactly. And it's like knowing that like you don't need a permission slip to prioritize yourself or when you're choosing to take care of yourself, it's not me or them. 
You know, Mm -hmm. it's, I'm Mm -hmm. doing this for us, for the collective, for the community, because Mm -hmm. like when I do something for me, it it affects everyone. And like when people see that you are committed to you, it inspires others to be committed to them. And also like when you are a student or you are a teacher or you are a mother and things happen, it's like, wow, how did she do that with such grace? Oh, well, she's committed to her practice and her tools and who she like desires to be when things come up because it's easy to love yourself it's easy to practice yoga when you want to when everything goes well when (laughs) exactly the real work is when shit hits the fan (laughs) (laughs) when you don't want to get out of bed you know when your partner leaves you when something happens to your children that's when like the yoga practice or the yoga really comes into action is like okay, now what do I do? Mm -hmm. There's something else you said a little bit earlier that I want to come back to. And it was, I can't remember the words exactly you said, but it made me think of, oh, that we're not broken. We're not trying to fix something, right? It made me think of that idea of like wanting or knowing that there might be more to our life. Like maybe I can create a better life, but coming at it from like a loving place and not self-criticism place, all the beliefs around not being enough or not having enough, like that scarcity and fear. So how do you help people continue to grow, but from an acceptance, loving place and not from a critical and I need to fix this place? Yeah, it's exactly like work that I've had to do my own because it's like when we think about like, oh, I desire more do we desire more or better or to grow because we lack now? Because then that just creates suffering. So the Mm -hmm. reminder that like, just because I want to grow my business and I want to help more people, I want to get stronger and I want to eat healthier. Doesn't mean that the lifestyle I have now isn't anything less than, it just means that like I have goals because I want to grow. And so depending on how you look at growth and where you want to go, Because if we look at it from you, my clients, I, from a place of lack, we suffer because we think Mm -hmm. now isn't enough. And then we're always chasing the next thing. So the invitation is, okay, do you remember the last time you thought there was going to be enough and you got there and you're like, okay, what's next? And then you create this cycle of always wanting to grow and attach to the outcome rather than like, Honestly, like I live in Costa Rica, I get to help people, I get to work for my computer, I can go surfing, and I do what I love. I love my life, and it's great. If nothing ever changes, I'm happy, but I would love to reach more people. I would love to add another yoga retreat to my schedule. Like these are things I desire to do. And so when you look at it, it's like, look at a way to grow because you're so excited that there Mm. gets to be more. Yeah, that excitement is a very different fuel than the fear of lack. Yeah. It it, it makes you like want to go for it. Yeah. I mean, your energy is totally different. Like remembering that, that question, can I be happy with what I have now? And can I be excited for more versus I hate what I have now, so I have to change it. That comes across very differently to other people, to yourself, like within your own psyche, your own physiology, it's going to come across differently. Like the way you talk, the tone of voice, the way you stand, everything is going to be different. So of course, your result in the end is also going to be different, right? 
Yeah. And then it also creates attachment. Like if this doesn't happen, I'm going to be let down. I'm going to be sad. And so when we create expectations and instead of like, let ourselves be surprised, like, yeah, maybe I can like hit this. And I love the quote Tony Robbins says is like, we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we Mm. underestimate what we can do in five. Yeah, totally. Totally. And then coming back to that power of the thoughts and how that creates a different results. I'm sure that's something you coach people on and how our perspective of things have a big impact on our results. Totally. Because it's like what you think you believe, you know, what you believe you create. And so it's like, first it's a thought, then it's a word, then it's an action. And especially when we start to think like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to hire a coach because you're going to help me. You're going to save me. It's like that energy is coming in and giving your power away to something else rather than she's going to hold space for me to tap into my power and let's Mm. see where I go. And so it's like, looking at how you go into what you do, whether it's your career, your yoga practice, even yoga. Like if you go into yoga and you have this expectation or this outcome and it doesn't happen, there's this like thought feeling that then creates like how the rest of your day is going to go. So it's like your thoughts create your life. Like your thoughts are your reality because it's like, whether you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. And so it's like, what do you want? Do you want thoughts that are going to support you? (laughs) Yeah. Or not. So I feel like a lot of what we do is we have a lot of things in common in our business, in the way we coach, and you have a podcast yourself, and in the name of the podcast, your podcast is called Off the Mat, so very similar. And one of my goals as a teacher and as a coach is to help people move from suffering to thriving. And I kind of hear that in what you say as well, like thriving is that idea of like, I can dream of more, even though I can be okay where I am now. So I wanted to ask, what does it look like for you to thrive and how do you make that happen or how do you support other people to create that feeling of thriving in their lives? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's something like what I really want to help, you know, students and teachers, women do is like stand out in their lives and thrive. And like that thriving is like, how do you define success? Because I know Mm -hmm. when I was going to college and I had the car, the boyfriend, the job, the everything, I was miserable. I was unhappy. And so Mm -hmm. when we want to stand out and thrive in our lives, it's defining success and happiness on your own terms so that you can create a life by your own design. Because if you're, you know, stuck in different malas, malas are being like cloaks and sheaths of like what other people want you to do, you're going to suffer. And suffering Mm -hmm. doesn't always mean that you don't have like money, job, house, car, boyfriend, family. It just means that you are in a place that you're connected to what you desire to have. So it's like first getting clear, like what does your perfect, ideal, great life look like? And when I go back to where I started in the beginning of my yoga journey, I was like, I want to go where I want, when I want, with who I want. And that to me is success. That's happy. That's thriving. And so it's like the freedom to choose and have options. So it's like getting clear on what it looks like, what you want to do on a daily basis. Like one of the meditations that I do with my clients is like envision your ideal day. Like, what do you wear? What do you eat? Who do you hang out with? And how do you feel? And then when you can show up and take action every single day to live out that like dream in your mind, of course you're going to thrive because you're like, wow, that was once just in my mind and now here it's my life. 
And you're living your definition of what is success. So it doesn't matter if you live anybody else's definition and you don't reach what anybody else has set for you to reach because you're doing what it is you want, what it is brings you joy. And that in the end is what's going to make you feel like you're thriving. Yep, exactly. Because we have different definitions. Yeah, totally. And you said something that stood out for me. And it's funny, pun intended. You said about yoga teachers, you help them to stand out. And like that is a key to their thriving or their growth as a teacher. So how can we as yoga teachers learn to stand out so we can thrive in our business? It's very similar to the in your life. It's like, as a yoga teacher, what are your values in your life? And are you weaving in that to your mission? Like your mission being what you wake up and do every single day, the action that you take to live out your vision as a yoga teacher. And so when we want to stand out, if you teach a yoga class like your teacher and that doesn't resonate with you, how can you stand out and be different? So it's like taking your life, your life experiences and what you feel is important for your students to know. And finding a way to share that with them in a unique way. And I just recently had a client reach out and say, hey, Amber, like someone's taking my themes. They're taking my workshop ideas and I'm triggered. And I said, your workshops, your ideas, what you're creating, someone else created before, but they're not you. So, you know, you and I, we have two different podcasts, similar, same, same, but different life coaches, yoga teachers, and People are going to be attracted to your energy. People are going to be attracted to my energy. But like the way in which you stand out is going to call your audience, your tribe, your people. And the way in which I stand out is going to be like my tribe, my people. And it's like, but we do the same thing. Yeah, it doesn't matter in the end. You know, it's about your own authenticity and how that comes across and how people connect to that and feel called by that or feel connected or that it resembles something in them like they can you know, see that. And so, yeah, that's a really good tip. Just be yourself and bring in what you value, what excites you, what, you know, that's going to come across and people that want the same are going to get in line and they're going to want to work with you. Yeah. I love what you said. Be yourself. Is it really just that simple? I just have to be myself. I don't know. Is it? (laughs) I think that's a great place to start and things kind of unfold from there in a very organic, natural and easy way in my experience. Mm -hmm. It's when you try Mm -hmm. to copy what other people are doing, you're trying to fit in the mold, you're trying to do what you think is expected of you. This is when it's like a bit more effortful. (laughs) You might still make it happen, but it's a bit more (laughs) effortful. It's a bit less exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I I literally right now I have written out like on like my mantras that I read every day is like, I have more impact simply by being myself. So Mm. I love that that's that's what you said. Yeah, exactly. For sure. And so I want to come back to one other thing we talked about a little earlier about moms and people like we didn't talk about people pleasing, but you know, I'm extrapolating to when you're, we tend to put other people's first, when we tend to have trouble filling our cup. So I think a lot of teachers are helpers, you know, they want to serve and just like moms, they might struggle to take care of themselves first, to have their own self-practice first, because it could be really demanding being a yoga teacher. So What's the importance for you of self-care in our personal growth? Where does that land and what's the impact of having or not having it? 
Yeah. So what I find is if you show up to teach a yoga class and you're not taking care of yourself, your energy is going to be so different. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to like in time build resentment. You're going to like not feel lit up and inspired. And that comes off to your students. What I find is that like the more that we prioritize our health and the way that we take care of ourselves, that's what like magnetizes people towards us because it's like, Mm -hmm. wow, she's full of energy. She's got light. And it's like, that doesn't mean like every, like we were saying earlier, that doesn't mean every single day I want to wake up and do yoga and meditate. It just means I know that I'm a better teacher, a better mentor, a better girlfriend, a better mom. When I do take that time out for myself, like what I find too, is like putting it at the bottom of your to-do list thinking like, Oh, I just don't have time for it. And it's like, we all have 24 hours in a day. It's just a matter of how you choose to prioritize that 24 hours and what you get done in the beginning of the day gets done. If you're someone that puts it off till later, it's like, Oh, it just didn't get done today. It's like, no, it's not important to you. But like what happens when you react, what happens when you are late to class, what happens when you show up in a way that's not your hundred percent because you didn't take that time. And so Letting like self-care and self-love be the number one thing because the relationship you have with yourself is really the longest relationship you're ever going to have in this lifetime. And so teaching people how to be in relationship with you by finding out what it's like yourself Mm -hmm. to be in relationship Mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're setting an example. (laughs) Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. lovely. And I think what I hear from your answer is really being clear on our why. Like, why does it matter? How does it affect our life? How does it affect the way we show up? How does it feed our goals? How does it help us thrive? Because if we get clear on that, we're not going to want to put it at the bottom of our to-do list. It becomes important when we are clear on not why you should do it that you've been hearing about, but for you, for yourself, your own you know, motivation, why does it matter that you have high energy, that you feel vital, that you feel radiant? Why does it matter that you are patient or that you are joyful, calm, like whatever it is that your practice is helping you create in your life? Why do you want that? And why make time for these practices? Yeah, it's a great point because it's like when you bring awareness to why, you're like, oh, I'm off. This things didn't go right today. That happened. And this, Oh, Mm. I didn't have my practice this morning. Ah. (laughs) And then the moment you notice that you're just a different human when you don't have that moment to connect to yourself. And I always say like, it only takes 10 minutes and we all have 10 minutes to just breathe, journal, go for a walk on the beach, whatever it may be to just ground your energy into the day. And when you notice that you're having an off day, like, did you take that 10 minutes? Did you take that hour long yoga practice? Check back in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love those ideas. Keeping it simple is really a way to continue to do it even when life gets busy. You know, like if you give yourself permission to only do 10 minutes of whatever you feel is the most helpful for you, then not only are you going to see a direct impact when you don't do it, so that reinforces your desire to do it, but you're also going to see that it's easy to do and to fit into your schedule and that it's worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. And I think you said a good point too, permission. Some I know so many yoga teachers and students that are like, 10 minutes doesn't count. I didn't do my yoga today. It's like, 
who said there was like this certain amount of time? Like, yes, when we're in a yoga teacher training, when we're on retreat and we get three glorious hours of practice, that's great. <laughs> But like we live in the 20, you know, 22nd century now. And that's just not always possible when we have kids, family, businesses and life happening. So, you know, honor the time that you do have and give yourself the time, you know, make the time that you do have. Yeah. And any amount is worth it. I think that's important to remember. We've had Jason Crendel on and he says a lot in classes, any amount of the pose is the pose. And I love that. Mm. And I carried that as like a philosophy in my life, like in yoga, any amount of the pose is the pose, but in every other thing you do, any amount, like just do any amount is going to be worth it. Any amount matters, you know? And that is like, okay, I don't have to be such a perfectionistic. I don't have to be, you know, all black or white. I don't have to be, well, if I don't do this, I'm not going to do it at all. No, any amount, start with any amount Mm -hmm. and see where it goes. And that oftentimes leads into more without, you know, forcing yourself into it. I think those practices and the idea of filling our cup first, taking care of ourselves, really leads into something I talk a lot about. And I know we've talked about together, the idea of stress. And I know you talk about stress as well. So what is your approach to stress management or reduction? How do you teach it, help people manage their stress? What are your favorite tools or practices? It's a great question to come after this because I start with telling my clients, just take 10 minutes a day to center yourself in the morning. And instead of it being like, this is what it has to be, like wake up in the morning and ask yourself, what do I need right now? And it might be a walk. It might be yoga. It might be meditation. But there's these like key tools that we have. And the first thing that I say is like one hour before you go to bed and one hour after waking up, stay off of your cell phone because your cell phone is going to trigger and activate how you feel based on what you see. So if you do feel like you're in a place in your life where you're stressed out, and I was like coaching so many women how to live a yoga lifestyle during COVID because they were so stressed out and needing help with anxiety. It was like, get off of your cell phone, huge one. And then just practice breathing because your breath is with you all day long, but we're not always aware of the breath. So inhale, exhale, and just notice because right, like anxiety comes from thoughts that are repeating themselves and going downward spiral is activating more emotion through thinking thoughts that are like going down that spiral. So it's like, I'm, Oh, my heart's beating faster. Oh, I'm stressed out. Oh, I'm on edge. What are my thoughts? What am I thinking? And so if you take that 10 minutes in the morning, every single day, that's where you get to notice what thoughts are coming up over and over again. Because mm-hmm. in the, those beginning mornings is like, that's the subconscious mind, especially the first like 40 minutes to an hour after waking up. And you get to see the patterns because we have what 60,000 thoughts a day and 90% of those thoughts are repeated and thoughts are what's going to create or eliminate. And it's exactly what we were saying earlier. Yeah. Your thoughts are mm-hmm. going to trigger how you feel. So through any awareness practice, 10 minutes in the morning, you get to get more clear on what's alive and present for you. Hmm. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. Like if you start to observe your thoughts, especially in that window when we just have woken up and you're not yet into your regular patterns, there's like a little buffer section where you're not quite on the train of you yet, right? This is where you can get so much juicy information 
on what's coming up, what am I thinking, what's been repeating, what's been playing on loop, like what's the cassette tape I have on right now? And then observing that, like, okay, this thought is creating this feeling, this feeling is making me take this action. Like, what's the day I'm creating when I start here? What's the week, the month, the year, you know, what's the life I'm creating from that place? And I think that is very, very important and not too challenging to do, to take 10 minutes in the morning. Very doable. No, and you know what I love is that when you start it, you see results within a week. It's like instant. When I was really working close with women on stress, it was like one week in and her husband, one of my clients, her husband's like, wow, you're less stressed. She's like, yeah, I'm not as angry. I started working with Amber and he's like, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, I just added 10 minutes a day. And she was shocked. He was shocked. And that was just one story. But it's like, this happens all the time that we don't realize the power of 10 minutes and what it's like to bring our awareness to. I love what you said, the cassette tape that's playing in our mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That will ripple in all sorts of different areas of your life that you might not have linked that are related to your stress, right? I know you help women, for example, manage their weight, and you might feel like you have tried everything under the sun to help you either lose weight or whatever you feel like you have to do for your health. And you haven't really looked at how does your stress affect your body and how does it stop, for example, your weight loss journey. Yep. And it's a great one because I'm like, oh, I'm eating well, I'm exercising, I'm doing all the things. And I'm like, I'm just curious, like, do you have a lot of stress in your, oh my gosh, so much stress. And I'm like, well, that's what it is. Like you can change everything, but if you have stress, your body's holding on. It's a coping mechanism that happens to your body to hold on, to keep you safe. The moment that you reduce your stress, you don't have to change anything else in your life. Your body will adapt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think when we start to look at how the stress affects every aspect of our life, that's one example. But for listeners, like take the time, like where in my life am I struggling to make, like it's nothing is changing. I feel stuck. Is there a link there with my thoughts, my stress, my anxiety? Can you see that? And can you focus on that just for a while? It might be the missing piece to the puzzle. Yep. And oftentimes if it's like, if you've got all the other pieces, you know, it's like, overall lifestyle is huge. And it's like, if you got all those other pieces, but so many people just don't know how stress is linked. And it's like, you know, I know you and I were talking about this stress shows up for each person differently. It can be sleep and it can be digestion and it can be weight. And looking at like, am I stressed is such a good question to ask, you know, Mm -hmm. as you're like looking at these different health things, it's like, Oh, I did every test everything's fine. Then you go to, you know, get your blood test and you realize your cortisol is through the roof and you're stressed out. Like, well, healthy lifestyle is so many moving parts. And sometimes it's more than just exercising what we eat, but like who we hang out with and what are yep. the thoughts that we're having and, well, we and consume how ultimately media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. How do we feel media eating food, you know, watching the news? It's like, okay, <laughs> how are you going to digest that? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of things to juggle. And it's just good to remember that there's also this piece of the puzzle that maybe you haven't really looked at. So coming back into all the things we have in common, I wanted to come back to your podcast. And since your podcast is called Off the Mat, what are some actionable ways that our listeners or that you teach your people 
to take their yoga practice off the mat? How can they transition that and continue into their life? Yeah. So the first way that I do this is through the yamas and niyamas. And I can give you like the first one being ahimsa. So thoughts, how do you think about yourself? How do you talk to yourself and how do you treat yourself? Um, when you look in the mirror, do you brush your teeth? Do you eat good food? Do you drink water? Um, what is the relationship that you have with you? Because, you know, the yamas are the relationship that you have with the external world. But again, how you have relationship with yourself is how you're going to have relationship with others. So the yamas being the relationship you have with the external world, how do you treat yourself first is going to reflect how you can show up and treat other people. And then, mm -hmm. you know, we think about the golden rule, right? Like treat other people how you want to be treated. But then what I find is so many women are like, I would never talk to my friends the way I talk to myself. Why am I so hard on myself? And so it's like really looking at how we feel about ourselves is a great way to bring your yoga practice off the mat. Mm. And then thinking how you show up and you have a relationship with your partner. How are you communicating? Are you communicating? Can it be conscious relationship? Like, oh, he did this to me. What am I doing to contribute to this? Right. Because it takes two people to be in relationship. And so it's like the niyamas. How are you in relationship with yourself? Are you being honest to yourself? Are you treating yourself with respect? Are you treating the world with respect? And I, I can bring up one, Asteya, non-stealing. It's like, oh yeah, of course I don't steal things, but it's like, we can steal people's shine. They're sharing. You ever met anyone that's like, no matter what, someone you're sharing your win and they're like, oh, now I'm going to share my win. And they're like stealing your shine. It's like, no, 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 let them shine. Or stealing people's time, you know, being late. I have two friends from Spain and it doesn't matter. They're always late. And it's like, sorry, that's just the way I am. And it's like, well, no, that, that's the way you choose to be, right? And so it's like, how can I do what I say I'm going to do? How can I show up when I say I'm going to show up so I don't steal from other people, their time or their shine? Satya, truthfulness. How can I be honest? Two examples that I give here is like, it's one thing to share your opinion, which can hurt people. If it's like, hey, do you like my dress? And it's like, oh, no, I hate it, but I'm not going to hurt my friend. She just spent an hour shopping for it. So it's like, yeah, it's great. But like, if you don't want to be in relationship with someone, that's going to hurt them. But like, you have to live the satya. You have to live the truthfulness in that. And so it's like learning when to like share your opinion and share your truth. It's two different ways in which you can show up in the relationship, but like just honoring like your relationship with you and then honoring your relationship with the external world. Yeah. I think the yamas and niyamas are a great place to start. And I love the idea that instead of treating others the way you want to be treated, can you treat yourself the way you want others to treat you? And that is awesome takeaways, guys. <laughs> I think that's something <laughs> to ponder on. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you would like to add before we wrap this up? If there's one thing you'd like people to remember or to take away from this conversation or one thing you want to emphasize, what would that be? I think it's like everything that we put like in this conversation can just really come back to like, how do I show up for myself every single day to love myself, to care for myself and invest in who I am moment mm. to moment, thought to thought. And instead of thinking, you know, out there later on, it's like, how can I be here today? The best person that I can be. And it's 
to take care of yourself, to love yourself. And also know that like the way you love yourself today, if you're feeling good, is going to be so different than the way you love yourself if you're going through a breakup. So to hold yourself to the highest and your best is going to change based on what's happening around you. But if you yeah, make your needs are going to change. Exactly. The needs change. And that's why I always have my clients say, wake up in the morning and ask myself, what do I need today? Because that's going to change. And so just invest, invest in who you are, your own personal practice, get on your yoga mat, meditate, hire help get a therapist, mm. get a coach, just continue to invest in who you're becoming and knowing that every single day, like you're the, you know, this is something I've been talking about a lot is like return on investment, right? Like creating mm. like long-term wealth. We can invest in the stock market. We can invest in cryptocurrency. There's a guaranteed return, right? Like put this much money in and this many years, this is going to happen. But, you know, back in 2012, I took my yoga teacher training invested, borrowed from my grandfather, $2,500. And I'm still getting return on investment because I invested in me. My, Mm -hmm. I was the asset. Yeah. And so with that, just being said, it's just like, invest in you, take care of you, love you. Love that. That's a great takeaway. (laughs) Of course, I'll put all your info in the show notes, but in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you if they want to ask more questions about this, or they want to work with you in some capacity? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm on Instagram most of these days. Shoot me a DM, follow me there, say hi, love to connect and just be in the open conversation. You know, your biggest takeaway from here, what really resonated with you. And then of course you can find my podcast. It's yoga off the mat with Amber Hagberg and yeah, many different ways to plug in. Um, I know that we both do retreats in Costa Rica, going to be doing (laughs) online yoga teacher training soon. And yeah, life coaching, anything that really like resonates with you, reach out if anything, just to grow relationships. Yeah, of course. Amazing. Can you say your handle on Instagram just for people to, if they, they don't go to the show notes? Yeah, of course. It's Amber Hagberg, H-A-G-B-E-R-G. Perfect. Thank you so much, Amber, for your time today. That was a lovely conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. Until next time. Pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you listen. Come and connect with us on Instagram at on and off your mat podcast. Screenshot you listening to this episode with your takeaways. Check out our membership platform to become a premium member and get your hands on all our exclusive content, including our class library. Find the show notes for this episode at ericabelanger.com slash 124. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible, and that includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time.